Hello, welcome to my secret obsession. I'm Cherish Lively, and I have some exciting news. In addition to this podcast, I am beginning another podcast that will feature steamy and ultra steamy romance novels. These will be available on the platform Ream Stories. Ream Stories is busy finalizing the ability to upload audiobooks to their site. As soon as it's up, I'll let you know and you can listen to the steamy side of Confessions of a Fallen Good Girl. Please stop by my page to see what's already available at tinyurl.com slash reamcherish. The ebook is now available on Amazon. So, get comfy, turn up the volume, and let's read a book. Chapter 20 Mike moved to Miriam's side and studied her as she sat at the little card table. Her hands trembled as she rested them on the table. Her big brown eyes darted between the men. Tears moistened the smooth skin of her face. Tiny streaks of mascara were smeared under her eyes. Jack tapped the message app on her cell. He scrolled through the text, looking for her husband's thread. Tapping on the thread, he typed in a message to Solomon as if he were Miriam, telling him to come to the basement. Handing the cell to Mike, Jack walked to the stairwell and stood behind the wall to wait for Solomon to join them. Mike stood next to Miriam as she struggled to contain her composure. Don't warn him that we're down here, he cautioned. We won't hurt you, but we do need to talk. Miriam didn't believe the man for a second. Images of her dead body sprawled out on the concrete floor of the basement filled her mind. Damn a deal for bringing this to their doorstep. The door at the top of the stairs creaked open. Solomon's footsteps sounded lightly on the wooden stairs as he descended. Miriam? Solomon called out as he made his way down the stairs. What's wrong? Had a deal left something damning. His brother's hatred seeped into everything he touched. Solomon could only lie to Miriam for so long. Solomon's heart clenched when he was far enough down the steps to see Miriam. She sat at the car table. Tears streaked her face and her lips quivered as she pressed them tightly together. A burly man stood beside her. Solomon had noticed the two men when they entered the restaurant. He'd figured them for military or something of that sort. Being so close to D.C., and the ever-present military presence, it wasn't unusual to see physically fit men in his restaurant. He'd never seen them as a threat when they came in. Solomon's hand shook as he extended it towards Miriam and stepped off the stairs. Please. Don't hurt her. She's not involved. He'd do anything to protect Miriam. He'd tried to shelter her from his brother's bizarre beliefs and behaviors. He should have known that one can't orbit a psychopath without being pulled into their destructive path. In a heartbeat, Jack stepped from the shadows. His arm snaked around Solomon's neck, and his hand covered Solomon's mouth. Jack whispered in Solomon's ear, She's not involved in what? The big man's breath washed over Solomon. He didn't even try to fight. He knew it would be a waste of his energy and put the men even more on the defensive. Hopefully, if he helped them, they'd leave his family alone. Jack and Solomon shuffled over to the table. Solomon didn't take his eyes off Miriam as he slid into the chair across from her at the little table. I'm going to remove my hand. Will you cooperate? Jack asked. They didn't know Solomon's part in the terrorist cell. Hazim had mentioned his name, but he hadn't said anything damning about the man, unlike Adil. They knew Adil was bad news. Solomon nodded his head. His gaze shifted to the dark-haired man beside his wife. He knew the men had blood on their hands. 
He hoped none of the blood would be his or Miriam's. Solomon laid his hands flat on the table. He hated the slight tremor in his fingers, but he was scared. Please, we are not involved, Solomon scratched out. It is my brother that you want. He hated throwing his brother to them, but he hated the fact that his brother brought this to his doorstep even more. Mike made a show of looking in the box of guns on the table. These aren't toys, and they're in your restaurant. His voice was gruff as he motioned to the box. Want to explain? Mike narrowed his eyes further, intimidating Solomon. Fear was now a powerful motivator. Solomon's heart raced like a gazelle on the prairie running for its life. He'd say what he needed to in order to save his and Miriam's life. He held no loyalty for his brother. A deal stores things here. You let your brother store guns and ammo here? Mike's arm swept towards the shelving. What else is in here? Mike pulled out one of the boxes. Mike walked to the shelves and pulled down another box. Cradling the box in the crook of his arm, he lifted the lid with the other hand. This one is full of nails and screws. Disgusted, he shoved the box back into place in the shelf and pulled out another one. This one is full of knives. He replaced the box and grabbed another one. Peering inside, he said, Blasting caps and wire. Mike eased the box back onto the shelf. The contents of these boxes are damning, and they're in your basement. Mike let out a low rumble as he stepped towards some bags that lay in the corner. Kicking the bag with his booted foot, he said, Fertilizer. Do you know what fertilizer is used for? He cut his gaze to Solomon. The man was clearly terrified. This is basic, Solomon. Mike waved his hand toward the boxes. You don't store explosives with food. That's some serious shit. Solomon felt each damning blow as the big man laid bare his brother's offenses. A deal had made Solomon complicit in whatever mess he was involved in. Solomon had no explanation or excuses for the contents that were stored in his basement. He shrugged as he scrambled to come up with a defense. But there was no defense. Right now, he looked guilty for some very bad things. Please, my brother is a difficult person. Solomon shook his head and pitifully shrugged his shoulders. If I didn't help him, he'd threaten to make me regret it. Miriam's eyes widened, and Jack noted the fear in her expression. Either Solomon was lying to them, or he had lied to his wife. She probably had no clue what was going on. Her husband had wanted her ignorant of Adil's actions, and she'd happily complied by burying her head in the sand. Mike stalked back to the table. Regret it how? He pressed his hands on the table and leaned over, putting his face within inches of Solomon's. The strong spices Solomon cooked with and had eaten emanated from his sweat. Solomon took a deep breath and then rattled. Adil and his friends, they can cause problems for us. He had to think of a way to help the men understand why he stood by and did nothing. He wasn't bad like his brother. He just wanted to live in peace. They are like your mafia or drug cartels. Think Godfather or Scarface. They have power within our community. If we don't play by their rules, they threaten to make our lives difficult. It's easier to ignore something than confront it, especially when you know you'll lose. Good people ignore what they see out of fear and self-preservation. He lifted a hand off the table and motioned towards the dark-haired man. You understand, right? 
He nodded in encouragement, hoping they'd understand what an impossible position he'd been in. Both Mike and Jack knew that what he said was true. The areas held by the Taliban or ISIS were controlled by fear and threat of torture or death. Good people in the community lived each day trying not to do anything to get them or their loved ones hurt. It was sad, but true. We need names, Jack said gruffly. You help us, and we'll help you. Solomon took a deep breath and started talking. Adil hates America. I don't know why he moved here if he hates it so much. Solomon shrugged. He'd been lying to himself for too long. His brother was in America to cause problems, not to escape the wars at home. I'll tell you anything you want to know. Sweat slicked down Miriam's neck and dampened her armpits. She'd known true fear a few times, but this was scarier on a different level. He didn't want to shame her family by being involved with terrorist activities. Nor did she want to endanger her family by helping the Americans. But she didn't see a way out of this. Hopefully, her ignorance would help her. I didn't know what was in the boxes. She shook her head and momentarily closed her eyes. Shame filled her. She'd chosen to be ignorant when she should have been brave. To be honest, I didn't want to know. But there is a man, Omar Zafar. He was upstairs earlier. The big man, sitting in the corner. He shows up a lot. Sometimes he brings a box and stores it in the basement. Sometimes he takes a box with him when he leaves. Solomon looked into his captor's eyes. Omar's muscle. Think of him as an enforcer. Solomon had been fascinated by the movies that featured the mafia and drug cartels in America. He saw so many connections between the cruel people of his homeland and the organized criminals in the West. I try not to know anything about anyone. It is safer that way. But I do know where Omar lives. Jack took a quick read of Mike's face. Mike was still in intimidation mode, so he went with good cop. We want to help you. He softened his voice to lessen the tension that was in the cramped basement room. We can offer you protection, but you'll need to come with us. Miriam nodded, and the tension left her lips. She formed the faintest of smiles. We will cooperate. Please, just put us somewhere safe. Mike crossed his arms over his broad chest. Tell me about Omar. Solomon craned his head to see Mike's face. Omar Zafar. He lives on First Street and Oak Grove, above the bakery. Once you get him, he can lead you to the others. Miriam turned in her seat but kept her hands on the table. Please, take us with you, she pleaded. Don't leave us here. Omar will come back she said desperately and then pointed to the boxes on the shelves. If Omar knew they talked to the authorities, he'd punish them. She had no doubt about that. Jack looked at Solomon. Do you have someone who can close up for you? Someone you trust? Yes, Solomon replied. My chef, Hassan. The dinner rush is over. He can close up early. Do you want me to talk to him? The words rushed out of Solomon, matching the staccato of his pounding heart. He trusted Hassan. Hassan knew not to come into the basement. And Hassan didn't like Omar either. So he always kept his distance from the man. Mike nodded. Tell him Miriam is sick and needs to go home. I'll go up with you and wait in the hallway. Don't do anything stupid. Mike added a threatening tone to his words. Solomon nodded in understanding. I won't. Hassan is a good man. Solomon didn't want anyone to get dragged into this mess. 
Things were bad enough. He didn't need the guilt of Hassan getting hurt. After this, he would never speak to his brother again. A deal was dead to him. Chapter 21 Jack nodded to Mike as he continued down the savage security hallway with Solomon and Miriam. Taking a deep breath, Jack knocked on his office door and entered. Seeing Bella on the sofa in his office softened his heart. He'd liked her from a distance for so long that having her within his reach was doing funny things to his insides. It made him feel vulnerable in a way he wasn't used to. He'd been vulnerable in the could-take-a-bullet-or-worse for his friends, but now that she knew about his feelings for her, he'd given her the power to break his heart. Before he'd come clean about his feelings for her, his heart had been safely protected behind layers of professionalism. His emotions hadn't come into play at work. He based his decisions on logic and training. But now he wondered what she was doing with the aftermath of Eric's attack and if he could protect her from another. But now he wondered how she was doing with the aftermath of Eric's attack and if he could protect her from another attack. Alicia looked up from the laptop as Jack entered the room. She tapped the touchpad and paused the show. Setting the laptop on the sofa beside her, she stood and said, I'll give you two a minute. She brushed her fingers through her hair and looked Jack in the eye. She noted how his gaze hadn't left Bella's. She wanted to jump up and down and clap her hands together like an over-caffeinated cheerleader, but she didn't. Instead, she asked, Is Mike around? In her mature and controlled adult voice. Yeah. He's with a couple right now. Jack tossed a thumb over his shoulder towards the hallway, where muffled voices could be heard. He felt a moment of guilt for bailing on Mike once they got back to Savage Security, but he didn't let the guilt stop him from going to Bella. He'll get them settled and meet you in his office. Alicia couldn't help but smile. As much as she liked the idea of Jack and Bella together, she liked the idea of kissing Mike even more. Perfect, she said, and headed towards Mike's office. Jack closed the door behind Alicia and then made his way to the sofa. He liked the way Bella's eyes sparkled as he approached. If he was reading her correctly, she was attracted to him, too. Lifting the laptop, he set it on his desk and then eased himself onto the cushion beside Bella, careful not to jostle or bump her battered body. How are you feeling? His voice warmed her, wrapping around her like a soft cashmere scarf on a snowy day. She wanted to cuddle into his warmth. She started to smile, but then stopped when her face hurt from the movement. She brought her hand to her cheek and stroked the bruise. I'm better. The pain is lessening. It's probably the drugs. She rolled her eyes and glanced at the bottle of pills that lay on his desk. She didn't usually rush to medication to ease her pain, but she was smart enough to know she wanted to stay ahead of this pain. She wished there was something to entirely remove the event from her memory. How's it going on your end? She asked. She'd worried about him while he was gone. She knew enough about what he did to know that he could get hurt. They were obviously pursuing some bad people. And after what he'd done for her by saving her life, she couldn't imagine losing him now. She'd always liked him professionally. But after what happened to Alicia, maybe she was the one who changed. Maybe Jack wasn't the one who got stuck on negative feelings. Maybe she projected her own feelings onto him because of her guilt. Guilt for interfering in Alicia's case. He wanted to pull her legs on top of his thighs and stroke her skin, but he kept his hands to himself. She didn't need him pressuring her. She'd been through enough, so instead 
He swiped a hand through his dirty blonde hair and rested his hand on her knee. We've made some progress. I really can't talk about it, he added with a shrug. He felt like a jerk. She was curious about a case that impacted her life, and his response was to shut her down. Oh, she said with a nod. She didn't know what else to say. Maybe she shouldn't have asked about the case, but she had. Did he not tell her because he didn't trust her? Had she shown through her actions that she couldn't be trusted? He hated the look in her eyes at his response. Her eyebrows pinched in for a moment, and then her focus cut to his desk. She appeared to be mystified by the pinholder he kept on his desk. It was odd-looking and seemed out of place in his office. It was a hand-painted soup can turned pencil holder that his niece had given him. To get her attention again, he placed his hand on her knee. Hey, I want to tell you, he admitted, his voice softening. It's just better if you don't know too much. I'm trying to protect you. His hand on her knees zinged all kinds of emotions and feelings through her while increasing the rate of her blood flow. Turning to face him, she bit her bottom lip and focused on the green hues in his eyes. She'd never gazed so uninhibitedly into his eyes before. Typically, he towered above her as he stood at her desk. Or she gazed up at him from a few feet away as they made office banter. Would her feelings for him lessen once the threat was dealt with? Would things go back to normal? Would they become intimate? The thought heated her cheeks. She pressed her hand to his and brushed her fingertips over his skin. He had the hands of someone who worked hard. His nails were short and stained along the edges from the different materials he worked with. Even now, staring at his toughened skin, she didn't see imperfection. She saw strength, reliability, and adaptability. He seemed to go from predator to compassionate friend easily. That's okay, she said softly. I understand. It's probably better that I don't know. She was horrible at deceit or trickery. She wanted this whole situation to resolve without her having to lie to the police. Thankfully, she didn't remember everything, and the parts she did remember, she wondered if they were true or if she dreamt them. She decided not to ask for clarification. She was going to stick with the knocked-out and dazed version. The brush of her skin on his hand sent blood pooling to his crotch. He leaned forward, easing himself a little closer to her while helping to hide his situation. Things are going well. This will all be over soon. What did soon mean? A few hours? Days or weeks? Are we headed to your place for the night? She asked, nervous about staying with him. What if it turned awkward, and then that awkwardness seeped into their work? She had a good thing at savage security. She didn't want to sabotage it. He took in a deep breath. No, the leads are hot right now. We have to move before they get lost in the wind. So, Bella looked around the office. Do I just hang out on your sofa? Each of the men had sofas in their offices for that very reason. Sometimes they couldn't go home and were stuck catching a few minutes or hours of rest when they could. Jack shrugged his shoulder and gave her a crooked smile. I know it's not ideal, but it's the safest option right now. Is Alicia going home? No. Michael put her up in his office. Bella threaded her fingers between Jack's. The simple act felt significant, like she was giving him permission to pursue her. She'd known him for a while and had always respected him. Now she realized that she needed to think about him in a different way. 
and that notion didn't frighten her. Thank you for sharing your time with me. I hope you enjoyed these chapters. New episodes drop on Tuesdays and Fridays. To keep up with various novels and authors that we feature, you can follow My Secret Obsession on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Cherish Lively, or visit the website at tinyurl.com slash Cherish Lively. Goodbye.